great. It's, as I said, great to be with you all this morning. I hope you're enjoying the weather, those of you that enjoy the hot weather, and I hope you're enjoying the shade, those of you that don't enjoy such hot weather. Uh, this morning, we are going to be continuing Ephesians 6, what Al started last week. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And as you do that, I just want to kind of... I think what I'm saying today, I think what Al introduced last week, and I'm going to continue speaking next week about this, I think what we're looking at here is an extremely important subject. And it's a subject that we often don't think so much about, perhaps. But it is so, so vital that we understand this subject. And perhaps you're here today, uh, not so used to church, perhaps you're not even a Christian. And the things that we're going to talk about today might seem a little bit odd actually and to be honest when you when I'm studying them and looking at them they are there it is a bit odd because it's talking about something that is happening behind the scenes behind what we can see but I think the reality is what we all know is that there is good and there is evil and we see that at work in people's lives and what we're looking at what our introduced us to last week and what we're going to continue to look at this week and next week is is just it's just really seeing the reality, it's kind of like having our eyes opened a little bit to the reality of actually what is at work in our lives, what is at work in other people's lives, what is at work in the world. Watchman Nee, who uh, is an incredibly, uh, just a, a guy who just lived an incredibly powerful life for God, wrote a book about Ephesians and he called it Sit, Walk, Stand. And he spoke on those three positions from the book of Ephesians and we all saw kind of the sitting first part of Ephesians 1 and 2 as as we sit we're dead we we can't do anything we sit but in Christ we get made alive so we don't do anything we sit then he talks about well from kind of four which we've been looking at recently we walk okay because of what us sitting because of what Christ has done we walk and then finally he talks about standing stand and the apostle paul he he doesn't spend loads of time on the standing okay but i would suggest that this is just as vital as sitting just as vital as walking and i, I like the way that watchman needs to sit walk stand if you want a simple overview of the book of ephesians that's it sit in christ walk for god stand firm and today we are going to be looking at this standing firm and it's it's a short section but i would suggest it's absolutely vital absolutely vital in who we are as christians in what we are doing as a church so let's let's read ephesians uh chapter six by the way i apologize the slide is super slow today so Hopefully it works. I've got a video, so it's maybe to do with that, but it's a good video. So it's worth it being slow, if you ask me. Okay, verse 10, Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand 
in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flame in darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication if you're looking for a good film to watch tonight and you're specifically looking for something that's quite bloody something that's got fantastic cinematography something that's got good fighting scenes you can't go far wrong with the film 300 it's a fantastic film there's loads of amazing moments in it and it's about if you haven't seen it, it's about this small but very muscular group of 300 men fighting, the Spartans fighting against a much larger enemy, the Persians. And this is really the story of that. And I won't give you any spoilers in case you haven't seen it, but it's absolutely fantastic. I'm just gonna show you a short clip. And in this clip, we, we find the Spartan army kind of like between a rock and a hard place, between a rock and a rock, between two rocks in a very narrow gap and they are facing an incredibly large army. Now, just to say, if there are any kids, this isn't too violent and scary, but if there are any kids uh, in the room, it's maybe good for the next minute to shut their eyes. I wonder if anyone else has got what they're, um, what they're gonna be doing tonight sorted. Such a good film. Persians, come and get them. Absolutely love it. And the point is showing that clip is what I want us to notice is the stance, the way that the Spartans were standing. This is where we fight, the, um, the king says to his men as they take up this incredible position of strength as they stand. And in this scripture, we see the word stand quite a few times. Paul uses the word stand. And when I think about standing, I think about, well, kind of like eager, it, waiting in a queue and kind of like going on my phone or sort of getting stressed and thinking about which queue is going to be the quickest and should I stand here or should I go and stand over here? Or, and I always, without doubt, if I move queue, I go into a longer queue and I think it's a better one. It ends up being a longer one. But, you know, you stand. As Paul talks about standing, he talks about standing firm. It's more like the 300 stand. Know what's coming and stand. Just like those Spartans, they saw what was coming and they didn't sort of start popping around from like queue to queue like this, but they saw the enemy. They understood what was happening and they took the appropriate stance. They stood firm. 2 Corinthians 10, we read this. We, although we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. We need to know our enemy. And the reality is that our enemy is not physical. Our enemy is not that person at work who like, however nice you are to them, just doesn't like you. Or the neighbor who tells you to constantly turn down that worship music. 
or whatever. That is not our enemy. Our enemy is spiritual. And it's very clear. And, and what the enemy has done is it, he, he clouds our judgment. He, he almost shuts our eyes to the spiritual world. And all we see is physical, which we live in a physical world. And so that means what well, we think our, our fight is against that person at work or that neighbour. When actually what we see in Corinthians, what Paul starts to unpack here is that our fight is actually spiritual. And so it's so important that we know our enemy. It's absolutely fundamental. If we're going to be living lives for God, if we're going to be planting a church in this city for God, if we're going to go to the nations for God, we need to know who we're up against. And it isn't the grumpy neighbour. Actually, there's something at work in the sons of disobedience. It's called the enemy. And so we've got to take up the appropriate stance and we've got to know what to do. And so Paul says, take up the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. Therefore, because of the enemy, because of who they are, Okay, we've seen therefore a lot in Ephesians. And remember, it always talks about something before. Therefore, because of the enemy, you know who your enemy is. Take up the armour of God. Put things on. Take it up and stand firm like those Spartans. Notice what it isn't. It isn't an attack message. This isn't, this isn't run and, and take them all down. Okay, we read... Uh, in Samuel about David's mighty men. You've got these, <laughs> these stories like one man killed 800 people in one day and another guy was fighting so long that his hand stuck to the sword and someone else killed 300 and, and there was someone who killed a lion. These incredible like stories. God's not calling us to be a people of incredible heroic acts. So don't run and attack. And also notice what it's not, it's not retreat. There's not a message of fear here. As we see the enemy, perhaps we can be tempted to understandably retreat. And that's not what Paul is saying either. He is saying stand. So how do we respond in this battle that we are so part of, even if sometimes we forget? We stand. And this really is the key to unlocking this scripture, this word stand. But actually, it's the key to unlocking our lives as Christians. We stand. Sit, walk, stand. Stand firm. Stay on your feet by standing firm. And so how do we, how do we stand? How do we stand firm? What does it look like? Okay. Well, it says very simply, doesn't it? We take up the armour of God. We're not in a physical battle, we're in a spiritual battle. Therefore, we need spiritual resources. In fact, 2 Corinthians, again, 10, says the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. It would be crazy going to a fire and trying to put out the fire with, I don't know, like pillows or feathers we go 
and put out a fire with water and the appropriate thing. And it's so important that we understand that as we come in to this position, like, okay, we are in a battle, that we come appropriately dressed with the right resources. I remember it was about 20 years ago, I think. I think mum and dad are here so that they can correct me if I'm wrong. But I have this, I have this memory of us. We used to go on holiday to a place called the Lake District, which is actually where my mum and mum and dad now, now live. And we moved over from there. It's a beautiful part of the UK, which may surprise some, but it's up in the northwest, there's lakes, obviously, hence the word Lake District, and there's hills. I wouldn't call them mountains because I know we have people from Africa and Asia who know what real mountains are. But in the English standards, they're, you know, they're, they're not too you know, unimpressive. Thousand metres, I think, is our highest one. Three thousand foot. Quite impressive, if you ask me. But it's this beautiful place. Um, but we went there and it was snowing. Now, in the UK, if you get like the smallest amount of snow, the whole economy, the whole country, everything stops. It crashes. And the reason for that, or one of the reasons for that, is because people are unprepared. And so, for example, in Sweden, it's fantastic because you legally are required to have winter tyres on your car. In, in England, no such thing. So when snow comes, you don't drive. However, we decided to go for a drive. Don't know why. And as we were kind of going around the Lake District, we turned this corner and we went without seeing, I guess. I don't really know how this happened, but without seeing, we went down a hill. And going down a hill in snowy conditions is not ideal because what goes down must come up. And there was this like level bit of road where many cars had made the same mistake. And so there were cars kind of like trying to go up the hill and going back down, trying again and going, and then they'd pull over to the side and someone, it'd be someone else's turn to sort of like get the courage to go up the hill and then come back down. And basically that was happening and we were the next, we tried and went down and then, you know, you wait for the next fall to have a go and until one guy came along and he didn't try to go up the hill. He just came down the hill, just pulled over slightly, opened his door. So I walked around the back of his car, went to his trunk, went to his boots, picked out four sets of chains. Thought, what's he going to do with these chains? Closed his boot, looked over to me, gave me a little wink. He knew what he was doing. Walked to every tire, put the chains around the tire, in the car, shut the door, signal, mirror signal maneuver, and into the sunset he went. Absolutely no problem going up the road, leaving us all there considering, is this where we spend the rest of our lives? Thankfully, the snow melted three weeks after, so it wasn't too bad. <laughs> we got up there somehow, I can't remember it all. He was equipped. We were ill-equipped. We were not able to, set, to do the task that we set out to. He was able to because he was equipped. And becoming a Christian, whether you realised this or not, you've got a target put on you. You became a high, a high target, a high priority target of the enemy. And that's just the reality. And so whether you like it or not, you are in this battle. 
And so as we find ourselves in this battle, I want to urge you, I want to implore you, listen to what Paul says. Take up the position of standing firm. Expect enemy attack. And as we stand, it's absolutely fundamental that we equip ourselves in the right way. So what does Paul tell us to do? Put on the armour of God. The first thing he says is this, fasten the belt of truth. Now, the order that Paul writes these things is really the order that a soldier would have put these on. And he's getting this idea because he's in prison. This guy's surrounded by soldiers. And of course, out of prison, he would have been he'd have seen soldiers all the time as well. So he is getting the inspiration partly from that. We also see God and the armor of God in the Old Testament. But he's getting his inspiration. He's thinking this is the first thing. This is the first priority of a soldier. And it's to put on a belt which maybe sounds a little bit strange, but a bit of a better translation or more accurate to the Greek is gird your loins. And if you are unaware, this is how to gird your loins. So there'd be a, you know, an, like a tunic and under, so like underwear, basically old school underwear, and you'd pull it up and wrap it around your legs in the five steps shown so that you are able to sort of, as, an, as a soldier, you're able to fight, really, and you're able to sort of move near. I mean, you can imagine fighting with such a long dress on. Okay, so the first priority is almost kind of really before the armour is to put on, is to gird your loins. Absolutely vital. And what Paul says is prioritise this. Gird your loins with truth gird your loins with truth this is vital and it is deliberate and we need to do this as priority number one jesus says in the book of john the enemy is the father of lies he will lie to you simple as that it's an old school thing that he's been doing ever since the garden ever since the beginning of genesis when we read, he says, did he, did he really say, did he really say that though? He's an accuser. He lies. This is who he is. And so how do we respond to someone who is trying to lie to us all the time? We stand firm. We stand firm, having girded ourselves with truth, having put on truth. This is what Jesus did in the wilderness, okay? The father of lies comes to him. 40 days and he's hungry, he's tired. You're hungry, are you? What about stone? That could be a really nice sandwich. You want power, do you? You want to see God work, do you? Try this, do this. Every time Jesus responds, it is written. What Jesus was effectively doing, sorry, I'm wearing shorts, but and I guess I shouldn't show that, but he's girding himself, I'm girding myself, with truth. That's what Jesus is doing. Biblical truth. He's fighting the enemy by saying, no, this is true. What you're saying is a lie. This is true. It is written. And friends, we will be challenged with lies. 
the enemy will throw lies at us in our heads and it will it will be different for everyone i can't give lots of examples because i think literally everyone it will be different for but you can bet this you know this he will lie to you he will try and knock you off your feet he will try and make you an ineffective christian so no truth gird yourself with it study scripture study at home study with a friend come to a interest group although they're kind of they're going to kind of come to an end i think over summer but but study scripture come along on sundays prioritize this even when it's sunny outside prioritize scripture knowing truth it's absolutely fundamental in our life we also see that this word truth doesn't just mean reading and knowing truth but also living truthfully and we've heard that from jobin and nina that as we walk as we're christians walking we walk in truth the way we behave the things that we say we are truthful second thing we see uh, is that we put on the breastplate of righteousness and again this can mean both the righteousness of god we have been given god's righteousness we see that in ephesians 2 for example he's made us alive we've been and one we are in christ we have been made right with god but also in terms of our conduct how do we fight against the enemy we're nice we do righteous things our character is godly to demonstrate a spiritual reality shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace have you noticed these weapons are they weapons that you would choose if you were coming up against that persian army or the spartans no they're not physical this is spiritual stuff and this is what paul is saying these are the things that you need to do these aren't aggressive weapons really does that remind you of someone ephesians 2 says this jesus came and preached peace to those who are far off peace to those who were near it reminds me of aslan as he lies dead on that stone table and the enemy laughing and celebrating he came in peace it reminds me of the disciples thinking he's this guy's going to come and he's going to overthrow sort of rome and and every it's going to be amazing and as jesus gets in the garden as he gets arrested and it's peter who cuts off the ear of the soldier what does what does jesus do and say puts the ear back on and says no more of this no more of this he's going to his death he knows where he's going no more of this jesus brings peace and we as we fight in this battle are people who bring peace so so important that we get that the enemy wants to make war others want to make war people are angry against christians for certain beliefs that we hold to how do we respond to that very practically do we get angry back do we point this this and that do we say i'm not going to i'm not going to get involved with that because i think it's so different to what i believe and i'm going to make a very clear point about it and i'm going to be quite aggressive and say that's not what jesus would have done he preached peace he ate with tax collectors the equivalent of how hated those people were in our day would be the equivalent of a paedophile he ate with those people and in eating with them he said you i accept you eating was powerful back then it still is today he brought peace we bring peace 
Take up the shield of faith. This is both an individual thing, but what I want to quickly say about it is as a church, as a family together, we take up our shields. And what Paul was talking about here wasn't these like, um, you know, like the small ones just on your arm, but big shields. OK, there is a picture if it will load. And these big shields didn't just protect yourself, but they linked together to also, there we go, to also protect others. If you've seen the series Vikings, another good film series to watch, very gory again, but you'd know that the Vikings were known about their shield wall. The Romans were too. And these were so strong that in rivers, you could, a horse and cart could go over them. And what they did was they didn't just protect themselves, but they protected people around them. And I believe as a church, we need to, we need to bring up corporately together our shields and protect each other. So, so important. As we live a life that is so challenging our faith. Let's be, like, let, let's be honest. Let's be real. Christianity is tough. If you don't have doubts of what's going on, what, why it's happening, who God is, then you'll be very, the, the, there's just a few of you. We always, it's the, it's the enemy again. Did he really say that? Is he really here? Did he really help you? Did he really answer that prayer? And so what we need to do in those times is we need to stand firm next to next to next everyone with their shields, fighting off the enemy's accusations, lies with our shields. We lay hold of promise. And then finally today, as we finish, we'll continue this next week, the helmet of salvation. The Heidelberg Catechism asks this question, what is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer is this, that I'm not my own, but belong uh, with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful saviour, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things work together for my salvation. Amen. We heard that earlier. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. Imagine being one of those Spartans as you take the stand, but knowing that the battle is already won. We put on the helmet of salvation as we as we fight, as we take part, as we stand firm in this very real battle. We put on the helmet of victory. We know that Jesus has won, that he's working everything together for my good. What an incredible, what an incredible promise as we live life to know that it is finished. Jesus has done it. He has won. We put on the helmet of salvation. What incredible hope that gives us. If you're not a Christian here today, and this topic maybe seems slightly different, 
I just want to say it is slightly different. We don't preach about this every week at all, but it's very real. I think, as I said at the beginning, we all can accept that there's good and evil in the world. There's good things and there's bad things. And what this scripture is doing is putting some names on some things, talking about how to live in the light of good and evil. And if you're not a Christian today, God wants you to know his salvation. He wants you to know that he, being all good, wants to bring you into that. And so you have an opportunity, even today, even though we're kind of all at home on our screens and stuff or wherever we are, you have an opportunity to be welcomed in to this position of incredible goodness, of incredible love. And so if you want to accept Jesus, if you want to jump into that, if you want to accept that, it's just a case of asking Jesus into your life. And perhaps if you do want to do that, you can just hang back after everyone else leaves on Zoom and we can chat a little bit. But we're going to finish. I was going to finish us in one song. Uh, so I'm going to hand over to him. But let's, as we sing this, I think let's, let's sing it and let's mean the words. They're very relevant to what we've been speaking about the last couple of weeks and, and next week. Let's, let's, let's proclaim all around Gothenburg. This is cool, isn't it? But all in different parts of Gothenburg. Let's be one people together proclaiming who the battle belongs to. I'll hand over to you, mate.